Hi, my name's Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. And Chris, I don't know why, maybe it's because basketball exhibition is starting. I had the urge to like do it in like a basketball announcer voice. And just like, and standing five foot, eight and a half, four and a half feet in his office chair. Something like that, like a big intro. And I, I would know. play. Is that, is that my height that you're guessing? Uh, five, eight. <laughs> I'm going to guess five, eight and three quarters. No, I'm not five, eight. Five, <laughs> nine and a half. Uh, I, I always count shoes. That's you short always count. Ending. That's but... where that's where we differ. I, I don't okay. count the shoes. I get the doctor's uh, office count... height, Chris. Uh, no, nah, I get the, the the with shoes height, which is five ten. <laughs> but the shoes are a variable that could change based on the type of shoes. But your height without the shoes yeah. that eliminates it doesn't it doesn't change enough to throw Chris, off I've seen the some height. platform men. I've seen some men platform shoes. Okay, it's it gets crazy. <laughs> I remember one time I, I was watching one of our high school games on TV and uh, and one of the people on the team, like they listed him at 6'2". I was like, holy crap, they are lying. Like he is at most an inch taller than me. Well, especially high school, uh, if they have the opportunity to be on TV or anything like that, where there's like a scouting capacity, it's like, yeah, they got to hype that guy up. <laughs> this might be yeah. his only they're chance. Like, maybe they're saying like, hey, this is, this is his Matt's height that he's going to be. This is right there. When, that's a projection. Like, he might be. Yeah, it's a projection. Like. You know how those guys like to make projections of height. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always liked in so in Space Jam they make the the comment about like Bugs Bunny's height and then whatever if you count the ears. And I thought that's a good yeah. point. I'm glad we've come to a place in society where we care more about like shoulder height plus wingspan is reach, right? Where we care more mm-hmm. about reach than height. So I'm like, what if some guys just got really tall heads? That happens. I got a tall head. If I had a normal head, I wouldn't be five nine and a quarter or whatever, you know. So I'm my wingspan, I have a pre. My wingspan to height ratio is uh, it's probably a little bit over one. Mine's a little bit over one as well. It's slightly longer okay. than uh, than respectively it should be. But uh, I got a tall head, so that height that's misleading. <laughs> Very big, <laughs> just generally big head. Like if you put our hands up together, right? Maybe our reach. We're about is to the say height. Mine's, mine's are probably our our reach is probably similar. I was I have pretty good. Like I said, I've got a good wingspan, so I might still have you by a smidge, but it would be closer than my head would lead you to believe. That's for sure. Um, hey, Chris, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I am doing fine. <laughs> Excellent. Have you? I know it's just exhibition. The Lakers have looked poor in exhibition, but it's just exhibition. I haven't watched any a of single. it at all. No, because it's hard to honestly watch preseason it's, games. It's purely finagling, too. There is no element of of kind of regular. I mean, it's it's not they're never playing the regular lineup, but they are not playing the regular lineup in the way that they yeah. would be playing it in the regular season. Uh, but I got to be honest, Chris. So far, Lakers they don't look they don't look great. They still got some some shooting issues to figure out of which shooters to get on the floor. <laughs> With which groups, uh, yeah. the perennial Lakers issue, it would seem. But uh, I'm not. They'll figure it out. There's shooters on the team. There are. It's which ones Just... are which ones are going to play in which groups, right? Yeah. It's fine in the chemistry. And then Malik uh, is not currently playing in the preseason. That's probably the biggest individual piece oh, yeah. that should fit with any lineup, for the most part. I think part. so. So that would be a big part. But um, yeah. Uh, just exhibition. I've been catching up. I've I've actually had uh, like a hockey. I'll have a hockey game 
because I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm like a child and I find it very, like, there's a lot of things moving and it's shiny and I kind of like it. I don't know anything about it. Kind of like it. And I've had a hockey game on and then sometimes either an NBA exhibition game or an MLB playoff game. It's a fun I went time. To, I went to one local hockey game one time. It was fun. But, like, if I had to describe it, it would be like, hey, if we were at a Klan rally, but a fun Klan rally that wasn't, like, about racism. Because <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <laughs> a bunch of white people yelling very <laughs> angrily at things. Let's... It's a clan rally, and I get what you're going at, but I just thought I think of like hockey in Canada, right? I just equate those two, or like the North, right? I have like a North, like hockey equals North, yeah. right? How, what, what, Chris, what are you talking about? No, I get what you're saying. That does kind of make sense. Uh, I have no idea what's going on in hockey, but it's just very frenetic, and I find my eyes drawn to it even when I don't know what's happening. Like football mm. in between the whistles when things are actually happening, and I kind of like it. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, the things I do, I feel like the older I get, I find myself not focused on watching sports, not focused on the ball, focused on everything else that's happening around it. Like, especially in basketball, you're like, all right, who's cutting where? Like, the ball's not where the action is happening most of the time, especially if you know who has the ball in their hands. Um, you know, that's just kind of a setup. So you're it's, often watching the it's plays like develop. one step ahead thinking as we yeah. get older. One or two, give us some credit here. We've watched a bit of ball. Um, yeah, and I have no sense of that with hockey. So maybe there's like a child. <laughs> well, there's maybe there is like a childlike joy in hockey where I don't have that sort of strategic. Like my brain just shuts off and I'm just mm-hmm. watching the puck fly around. So it's almost like a reversion yeah. in a way. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I I dig it. I don't have a team. I guess I watch the Blues because they're close. I don't know. That's all I got. But. Hey, that's been my week. It's been shuffling between literally four sports, which is pretty exciting. That's fantastic. Football, baseball, hockey, and okay. 50-50 on the basketball. I, I forget that baseball, we're getting into the – we're in the deep in the playoffs. I, don't, I only watch baseball when it's uh, like the last game, like the side game of the World Series. Yeah. Unless the Royals are playing, and then I'll watch Kind of the, the like local supportive effect, yeah. I, yeah, pretty much. I'll watch like just like the championship round and in, in the World Series if they're in it, <laughs> which doesn't happen all that often. It's very infrequent. Just happens to be a couple of times within our lifetime. I will. I I like baseball and softball are probably among my favorite sports to play because I have some element of competence at both of them. But as far as watching, I'm not very dedicated on the watching side. Not. Very boring. I find it, it very boring. It is on during the day, so when I'm working from home, I admit, so I face uh, this corner over here in work. I'm facing into a corner, but I'll put it on the TVs behind me just for background noise. Feels like there's a baseball game going on in the background. Makes me feel less lonely if we're really digging down to the root cause. <laughs> why do they why do they play baseball games during the day? You would think wouldn't wouldn't they get more revenue they played it? At night or in the evenings? I mean, it's always the afternoon at the earliest, at least for the most part. But I, you know, to yeah. be honest, I don't have a great answer for you. I could it just be the saturation, like the sheer number of baseball games that happen, um, that there's less evening revenue to go around, or there's more games to fit in, or yet. I don't know. I don't have a good I mean, answer. And it's not like that. I have to share that field. Well, some teams do have to share with the football team, but that's. Only not, on like a and even then, not day. anymore. I don't think. I think all that oh, is, really? is gone at this point. 
finally. Oh, okay. Thank you, Raiders, for leaving LA. Yeah, I thought it was some LA. Wait, no, no. I think well, it used to, like, within the past few years, like that old Raiders field, I feel like they used to. Yeah. The kicker would complain about if he had to kick a field goal <laughs> off of the dirt, how wildly dangerous it was. And everybody would be like, oh, you're just belly aching. <laughs> and then you try to kick or a field goal <laughs> off a of dirt, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you're just trying to make your job sound hard. Like. You just. <laughs> Uh no, I actually I don't have a good answer for you, but I do know that it's the sport that's on during the day and it's kind of harmless background noise for work. Yeah. So I will admit that it makes me feel slightly less alone during the daytime. The most hours. excitement I get out of watching baseball is watching the movie forty two. Okay. Solid movie. Um it's yeah. been a long time since I, like I saw it in theaters and then maybe shortly after and I probably haven't seen it since, but I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. And uh Angels in the Outfield. Young Joseph Gordon-Levitt before he was Robin. Gosh, he was in a lot of stuff. Anyway, way off topic here. Chris, thanks for recording with me this evening. Uh, in, not that anybody else will notice, but it's kind of we're trying to plan ahead for the holidays. So we're trying to stuff more recordings in because the holidays are going to be here before we know it. But also, it's like the most exciting part of potentially one of the most exciting seasons, potentially, and one of, choose my words very carefully, in the entire series. And so I'm very excited just to keep talking about these with you today. We're talking about book three change. It's chapter nine and it is called the stakeout. Chris, would you care to walk us through? All right. The stakeout. Okay. So, uh, soon in, uh, told team avatar to go ahead and find Iway. The Korra with the help of Naga. Well, not good with the upper core, really. Um, <laughs> tracked highway to the Missy Palms Oasis, which we've been here before in Avatar. Um, it's where we, where the, where Team Avatar went to right before they got lost in the desert. Right before so, Aang killed yeah. that buzzard wasp. Yeah, right before Aang had his first murder. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be his last. Wait, no, no. Uh, that's where he got the taste we for can't blood. Prove that we can't prove that's that. That's true. We can't can't prove it. Um, <laughs> Angry monster. Uh, uh, anyway, they track Iway. They track Iway to the Misty Palms Oasis. And and I enjoyed this episode for recovery reasons. One, it's sort of if it has like the feeling of a filler episode, but with the plot development and uh, of 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 a of a very important uh, episode. Like so the, when they're at the, like Missy... the, co- the surrounding context uh, makes it feel, or not the surrounding context, like sort of the peripherals all feels like filler type stuff. But when you get to the core yeah. of what actually happens in the episode, it is sort of immovable. Yeah. So they track Iway to a room, and they get the room right across. Uh, they do come across like a some bounty hunters or that thing, but one is like two of them are like chasing them. But turns out they're just Nuck Tuck fans, and they and they want uh, Bolin's autograph. <laughs> um, That's pretty funny. Uh, interesting enough, the innkeeper is voiced by Andrea Romano, uh, Romano, so the voice director, legendary voice director. I feel like you have to put the legendary firsthand. You know, it's like saying like Sir Ian. Wait, I don't think Ian McKellen is a Sir. Sir. Yeah, surely he is, right? Wait, Ian McKe- yeah, Ian McKellen is. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I would say uh, that I don't know any other voice coaches. And so <laughs> the fact that I know the one voice coach makes her a legend. Sean, you do know one other one. We, we saw her at Comic Con no, for My I, Hero. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Cause she was, but she was also a voice actress and the voice yes. director. Okay. Oh, right. Well, yes. I don't know her name, so can she really be legendary? Sorry. No, no you I don't know her name. She's legendary. definitely not legendary. <laughs> but for what it's worth, excellent voice work over there in my house. So maybe she can be legendary. I want to continue to stress that I hate that I didn't actually meet um, Chris Sabat. Like, I keep watching New Yu Hockey Show, and I'm like, Man, he is really good as as this character Kuwabara. I had the DVD; I could have had him sign. Like, and, I'm, and I've been watching it and loving it even more. And I just keep thinking to myself, I should have I should have met him like for real, not just saying hi after he was trying Going to go to the, the bathroom, bathroom and privacy. No. <laughs> not that I met him in the bathroom. No, he was on his way he, to the bathroom. I'm not a monster. Because remember that time when he knocked on the stall when when he was in the bathroom? And- hey, Chris Evans. Good you like there. slid the DVD <laughs> underneath the uh, underneath the door, like, "Hey, got yeah. a minute? I'm but, gonna keep the door then, locked until you sign this." Uh, and then this next season coming up, that I'm watching. He voices two characters. The character he always voices, and he voices this like this this demon, old demon character. And I'm just like, man, I really should have met Chris Abbott. Like that would have been really cool to just talk to him. But anyway, I'm ready to watch a Yu Hakusho show. Or at least I thought I was, uh, but then I have this. <laughs> <laughs> I have this itch to watch this one very specific episode of Digimon first, but I know as soon as I watch one, I'm gonna want to watch the first thirteen. Yeah. Always do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get Digimon, but <laughs> the first thirteen episodes of Digimon Adventure are probably my thirteen favorite episodes of anime. <laughs> That's... It gets really bad and gets it just gets worse and worse <laughs> and worse. But those thirteen, hmm. I I only really much watched them once. And that was good. <laughs> and you're probably right uh, to do so. <laughs> um, yeah. So they track Iway and they're in a in the room across, which the room is like really small, and they got Naga in there with them, and Naga's like laying on the bed, and Naga's one so, thing. I love. I just love how this is framed. It's kind of like a bottle episode too. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> there, I just like how it's framed because you, you kind of just get a sense because it's so cramped. You get a sense of the scale of everybody, <laughs> and like especially the angles that they they shoot at. Like Naga is just so freaking huge. And at one point, like I see Naga's like Paul, and it's Nessa Bolin's hand. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry, Nessa Bolin's head, and she's like, holy crap, Naga's Paul is, like, so freaking huge. <laughs> like, I think it's bigger than... I'm Naga's probably actually bigger than a polar bear, I would think. I don't, I don't know for sure I could agree with that. You could convince me, but I think it just, especially the contrast of coming from Appa, you're like, oh, well, Naga's this small, manageable pet yeah, yeah, polar yeah. bear. <laughs> exactly. But now you see her like taking up half of the space. Andrea Romano yeah. tried to warn them in her defense. That the room was very small. She tried. That was really <laughs> creepy the way they're like, no, we just specifically want this one across from Yeah, like, Who's, like, who's ever asking for a very specific no one asked for a very you specific You wouldn't room. do that if you were trying to be even remotely stealthy. Come on, Team Avatar. Yeah. 
Um, but no, I, I, I just really enjoy... I, I really One of the things I love about filler episodes is that it provides an opportunity for characters just to sit with each other and just interact with each other and you get a sense of their characteristics and you know, their interactions and everything like that. And, uh, and I, I really enjoyed this aspect of it. Like Mako's the detective, he's very serious, he's working. Cora's like a little step down from him on that very seriousness. And then you got Asami and Bolin. Bolin's kind of just goofing off and Asami is like nice enough to entertain him. <laughs> and they play Pai Show. And I love how when they start playing Pai Show, uh, you know, they're, they're playing. Well, first of all, Bolin's like, uh, I don't know if I want to play you. Like, it'll be too easy. Like, like I learned from Shady Shin. And then Asami's like, I learned from my dad, you know, the diabolical genius, my dad. <laughs> um, which I like that she can casually talk about that. that. That says a lot about the character that, I mean, I'm sure it, she still thinks about that a lot, but it says a lot about trying to get over something that you can, you know, when you can start casually talking about something, there's no element sort of, of denial in. in there whatsoever. It just, it just yeah. came out pretty naturally. Yeah. And of course she like, so they start playing and both their the first two moves are pretty quick from each of them. And then Bolin makes a move, and Asami sits, and she waits and, and ponders, and she's thinking about her next move. And Bolin's like, hey, can you speed this up? And then Asami's like, why? Mm-hmm. He's like, because we're playing Pai Show. Like, Pai Show is a quick game of chance. So she's like, no, it's not. It's a very methodical game of, of like, patience and, and strategy. <laughs> and then Bolin gets out the rule book. And it's like, ah, it's both. It's everything. There's there's no real, every cunt, every, like, Kingdom has their own set of rules. And then I love that he like has Korra as the avatar she needs to standardize the rules. That falls within the element of uh, the realms of politics is standardizing yeah. international pie show rules. Yeah, I would really love if like I mean the past this is one time where I'm just like, man, I wish the past lives were there. Because we know the Avatar Quirk was like a world one of the like I think the top pie show player in the world. And it'd be really interesting just to get like a quick snippet of Corp being like, okay, um back to correct. Oh, like and, like and... like like she would touch she would touch a pie show piece and then something will click in her, they're like, Oh, Avatar Quirk knows. Like, how does he know? And then she would meditate and talk to him and they would just have like these casual conversations about pie show and about organizing it and I think it'd and be what great rules if... make <laughs> If Kurek was like, well, listen, I know they accept all styles, but this style really broke off because they were kind of being bitches about this one over here that they weren't so good at, so they broke off and did their own thing, and I don't really recognize that, so it's actually this way. <laughs> and then Kurek could come back and just be like, yeah, Sami's right. <laughs> Y'all just sped it up to confuse your opposition because you weren't winning the strategic game and or something like that. I would, yeah. I would, I would eat that up. Yeah, and Cork was pretty strategic. Like he had, like that's how they find, that's how they found Yoon is that Cork had a certain uh, strategy in playing Pai Show, and Yoon had that same strategy. And they're just like, you know, I don't know how many strategies you can use in chess. Yeah, you know, besides the Queen's Gambit, apparently. Um, I didn't even watch. It's too many feelings. I'm not going to watch it. But yeah, there's but there's more I didn't, than I there like would the be first in chess. Three right? episodes because there's a variable <laughs> types of pieces in Pai Show, so there could be even yeah. more. Yeah, and uh, and Yoon was using that same strategy, so they thought like, what are the chances? Like he must be the avatar. 
But oh man, now I just want to go back and and re-listen, probably listen to the audio book of I, somebody, the Rise of Kyoshi. Somebody, uh, a friend, he's like, hey, if you log into my Audible on your phone and then you download them and then you can use your Audible to listen to them, and I got all excited because he had the books, the 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 first one at least. Is that one out? Audio book out? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I listened to it already. Yeah, definitely had the first one, and so I downloaded it and I logged out and I tried to log into my Audible, which I thought was just like an Amazon account. Mm-hmm. It, I would think is, it would be. It yeah. is if you have an Amazon Prime account, I believe you have Audible by default, but like I don't. And that's, I got like I thought Audible itself was like I was going to be able to use like a free service of Audible to play and just not get any of the other benefits. It's like no, you got to have Prime or sign up for Audible. I was like, well, that was. <laughs> wildly disappointing whatever it's fine yeah. I think did I buy the audiobooks I think I it might be on Hoopla they might be on Hoopla I don't know I haven't bought them yet but yeah. I am fixing to because it's time for a re-listen yeah it's a good listen uh, but now I'm thinking about how they found Kyoshi you know right you know, I remember when Kyoshi was like just singing that song uh, when they were uh just doing like chore work and they were doing that weird thing where you, you do freestyle poetry and, and, uh, and, you know, right. She was doing it and then everyone was all having fun. And then Kel Sang just like grabs her and, and like to the point that she was like starting to bleed, like bleed. And, and you can just, even for reading a book, you can just sense that like, holy crap, like Kyoshi, been he might be right here the whole time. Yeah. It's, I just picture her like up on an open mic night stage doing slam poetry or something. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey just comes up and be like, say that again. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's slam uh, poetry. Anyway. It's from the heart. I can't repeat it. I, d- I didn't write it down, you yeah. know? It just, it just came to me as if <laughs> someone else was. <laughs> as if somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to watch 22 yeah. Jump Street. But another time. Another time. Anyway, uh, man, don't have any diverges. Oh, pie show. That's how it'll happen. Anyway, so yeah, I just like how they're just waiting there, and then eventually they get Corey gets tired of waiting, which I love. How Corey's like, no, no more waiting. <laughs> it's been been far too long. She goes in, she kicks the walls down, kicks the door down, notices that uh, Iway is just meditating, and he must be in the spirit world. So Corey goes in after him, and then she sees that. Um, so here's there, and he's talking to Iway, and it's a here pretty much kills Iway. <laughs> yeah, Zahir in a mood in, the fog in of this episode. Souls. What Zahir is in a mood in this episode? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's like he had no real reason to. It felt I mean, a little out of character. I but he's not he's not very vengeful and he's and he's pretty uh tactful when he's killing people and uh oh i mean i mean he said that he that i was a loose end but i just they're close enough to the end or what should be the end that like a loose end shouldn't but for as much as so as much as i like to nitpick at, at Zaheer, I will say this episode is one of the things i do like that does make perfect sense to me that, yeah, you know what? He would be exceptionally in touch with the spirit world and, like, literally a master of meditation and essentially, like, yeah. splitting his own brain. Like, 
that makes sense to me in a way that you could develop over time when you spend 15 years in prison. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, this, but that's a, a detail that for all the, the nitpicks I do have with him, I really appreciate what he did here in the whole scheme. And I like how it fits together. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we'll jump to, I'll go ahead and jump to that point of him being able to be in the spirit world, converse with Korra, but then somehow connect his brain in a way to send a signal to his brain, to his mouth, to mouth the words, Missy Palm's Oasis, Avatar there. <laughs> like, my my that... theory is that he is like, in just brief mo. you know, other people have to meditate really hard to get into the spirit world or like focus really hard, mm-hmm. but he's so good at it that in my mind, he's like making really quick leaps back and forth like just when Korra's like looking yeah. away for a second and he leaps yeah. back to be like Oasis like in that uh-huh. or, or something akin to that where it's not really a split yeah. as much as it is a uh, uh, yeah. still the even the illusion of oh yeah <laughs> of it is, is impressive oh I'm buying it either way um, absolutely yeah which as a as a person who and the thing is they brought this up in the commentary because there's like oh yeah it's kind of like he's like lucid dreaming before I watched the commentary I had that same thought I was like oh it's kind of like lucid dreaming right but the thing is with lucid dreaming is at least for me who's a, who's a lucid dreamer like i i realize when i'm oftentimes i can realize when i'm dreaming and then at that point i can either kind of control myself in, in the dream or i can just kind of watch my dream like a movie but i have to stay in a sort of limbo like i can't become too aware of it because once i become too aware then it's then my brain's like waking up and then i wake up I'm not a. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I'm saying there's a balance. There's there's a, such a delicate balance in that. So a mastermind of such things would be able to like control that balance more easily and manipulate it. Yeah. I'm not a lucid dreamer in the sense I cannot control my dreams, uh, but I frequently, frequently know that I'm dreaming. I never seem to have any control, but I frequently know I'm dreaming <laughs> because it seems like I recognize when there's a person in my dream who I know is dead in real life. Um, I know it's kind of dark, but like I have, I don't, I don't have any grandparents anymore and, and a few other like close enough humans in my life that like occasionally they'll pop them in my dream. I'm like, ah, okay. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Ah. Grandma, what you doing here? Get out of here. Go away. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's very difficult to control yourself in a dream like I, I i can't do it that often you can you can train yourself to do to become a better lucid dreamer that sounds amazing um, i don't ever seem to like, have any element of control i just at that point maybe it's closer to the movie idea where i know that i am dreaming and so i yeah. become more of a passive observer yeah yeah it's really fun to me watching them well it's really fun controlling yourself like one time i was a jedi one time i was batman gliding over like gotham city um, but th- it doesn't happen like that often. Like I can count how many times I've I've controlled myself like a in a dream. Lucid experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got nothing, and even when I know it's a dream, it's usually really <laughs> mundane. It's just like I'm out in Grandma's side yard or whatever. You know, it's like, well, yeah. okay, what am I supposed to do with this, Grandma? Yeah, I get excited. Like, I, I, like I'm watching it like a movie. Like I'm just like, oh man, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. And then. <laughs> Your then I wake up, I, and I really like, mind. like my dreams can never just be like, "Hey, here's the full beginning to the end of the movie." It's more like, "Here's the middle, and here's right up to the like the climax," and I'm just like, "Ah, 
It's almost like a four-dimensional movie because you're kind of in there and there's a passage of time to be noted and there's a uh, multi-dimensional presence. It's a 4D movie. It's pretty exciting. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so here, very impressive <laughs> what you can do. We love great Sorry. work to hear. Yeah. Uh, so he kills Iway and then he takes his time to, uh, you know, Cora's like, you're going to tell me everything. And so here's like, you know what? You deserve it. Now, I just love his mannerisms right now because he's, he's being very forthcoming, very honest to well, a no, certain scheming, But I think he means it. Like, he knows it's going to play into yeah. his hand, but it's also, there's still a certain amount of respect for the Avatar. And, like, I think he means it sincerely. Yeah, yeah. And also, he knows he can benefit from it because he can stall her yeah. <laughs> long enough for them to get her. Um, and he explains the origins of, of the Red Lotus. Uh, which is, you know, he says that, you know, he says we're the Red Lotus. He's like, we're what the White Lotus were supposed to be. And the White Lotus, like, came out of hiding and they serve the Avatar and they serve corrupt world leaders, which I feel like he has a, he has a point. Like, the White Lotus never seemed to be about serving individuals or about serving world leaders or a very, like, covert, in the shadows type of people. Um, but I think he took it, you know, too far. I don't think they were like, "Hey, we should be all about chaos." <laughs> like that's like I, I don't think I was in the White Lotus. Like, chaos is good, friends. Like, oh, okay, let's all agree oh, on that. It was more yeah, just that like sounds like a good measure, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't think that was like part of the original plan of the White Lotus. It seemed from what I gather from the members on from the first original series it was like, oh, it's a place to share ideas from all four nations and like we're all one type of deal it wasn't like hey let's let's equally kill everybody <laughs> well yeah, yeah. it's funny to imagine but, like a very like a well-to-do group of very philosophical people being like all right what do we do you thought about killing everyone <laughs> no to be honest not yet i hadn't i hadn't crossed my oh, mind you should you should watch you should watch star girl there's a so star girl's really great i love star girls i think it's one of the had a really great first season. I've, I've heard the second season is also good. I'm just not caught up on it. But so there's a there's an evil group called the Justice, the the Injustice League, I think, or the Secret Society, some like some evil group. And then <laughs> and so they're a very evil group, and the the team break into their lair. And they find like their plants and stuff, and they have like some presentation or some <laughs> charter about what their plans are. It's like their plan is to provide equal opportunity to people, no matter their <laughs> race, religion, creed, sexual orientation. And then they're like, "Wait, what? Hold this on, this is their this is their goal." Let's hear them out. Keep reading. What's what's the rest of it? To to <laughs> to take to uh you know be eco-friendly to the earth and stuff like that. And then they're like, um, one, one of them says like, um, guys, are we on the wrong team? <laughs> but like the way they're going to do that is it's like, oh, they got to brainwash, you know, like a you know quarter of the population. I'm not <laughs> an end like justifies the means person or vice versa. I kind of like both the ends and the means to sound pretty appealing, but uh, hey, I admire their, their planning. Yeah. Maybe uh, less murder? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stargirl's great. You should watch it. Um, 
I was gonna say, oh, so then, so here, yeah, so here it talks about the Red Lotus and its origin, mm-hmm. and it talks about how, <laughs> like, how Cora just like, you know, this is a good story and all, but when does that get to the part of you kidnapping me? <laughs> it's like, you know, we were, that was your uncle's idea. And so then now we tie, um, you know, we tie Unalak into this, which I think makes him a, a better character by default, because he wasn't like, Great to begin with, but it still makes him a little better. He didn't like turn a weird corner in his forties, like he's been scheming and evil since before we knew him. That does feel yeah better. Yeah, which also goes to that, you know, there was that idea that I had before, like Eska and Desna are like relatively the same age as Cora. Like I'm sure he was pissed off when he found out that Cora his his brother's daughter is the Avatar. It's like, wow, why couldn't that be me? Like I could have raise my child oh i thought you're gonna be like oh it'd have been so much easier to kill the avatar if she lived in my house (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's true but i mean at that point no at that point you know he wouldn't have met senna and then cora wouldn't be cora fair totally (laughs) wouldn't be born even if yeah (laughs) be so much easier to murder (laughs) one of my own kids yeah and uh so the plan was to to kidnap Cora and train her as, as uh, a better and, form of Avatar, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, for them. Um, and in the commentary, Brian says, like, you know, and if they did capture her, they, they would have been successful, pretty successful in in training the Avatar and, and giving her, you know, kind of their ideals and stuff. Um, which maybe we should do a what if video on that one day. Like, what if the White Lotus, I mean, the Red Lotus actually did kidnap Cora. We've got a few flashpoints here we can work off of in the near future. Yeah, this season I think has a has a couple different like interesting and a little uh, yeah little interesting flashpoints of of like oh well, what if this change and as what we get to the holiday and if we need some some filler episodes those tend to make nice uh, still entertaining and relevant yeah filler uh, filler episodes for us. So he does say like. The whole Unavatu Dark Avatar thing, that was not our plan. Like, that was not, <laughs> that was Unalog. He went rogue, uh, you know, we, own, yeah. we excommunicated him, and that was all his thing. Yeah. And, and then they were like, well, why did, she was like, why didn't he get locked up? And then he was like, he wasn't with us. And then he denied all, I mean, not denied, he just hid any uh, evidence that he was part of us at all, so. Uh, and then that kind of ends their conversation. And then he says, like, you know, we'll... Oh, and then... So, on the flip side of that, which I think builds a lot of tension, is that, you know, he's keeping her on, but he's also told other, mem- other members of the Red Lotus, like, hey, go here, catch them. So now we see them fighting Mako and Bolin, and Bakura still not waking up. It's like, Cora, wake up. And she's still not waking up. I thought for a minute that Bolin was going to slap her. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'd laugh a little bit, you know. And Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu Yu Hakusho, one of the one of the critiques I would have at it is that it is sometimes it can be insensitive. Uh, like sometimes Yusuke, the main character, um, would like poke this girl's butt. Like that's <laughs> inappropriate. Um, granted, it's his girlfriend. You know, he's kind of teasing her in a sense because she—I mean, she slaps the crap out of him when he does, you know, stuff like that. Um, but at one point, like they're at a martial arts tournament, and she's just like so shocked by by some event 
but they got to leave. And she's like, she's shook and shocked. And he's like, Keiko, wake up. And he goes, like, it's like, it's not like, oh, that's, that's weird. Uh, and then she wakes up out of, she snaps out of it and then slaps the crap out of him, which, <laughs> which only like her punches, like for some, you know, for some reason, even though she's not a fighter, her punches would, would, would slap the crap out of, out of this person who could take, you know, a, a punch by some person who can lift 10,000 pounds and demons and stuff. But, but they wouldn't do something like that on, <laughs> on Nickelodeon. They wouldn't have somebody, they were so against just physical contact that they they wouldn't do that. I feel like a harmless like a like like the yeah. the, the slapstick. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, but it, you know it's it's out of uh out of the norm here, so it's fine that it. Yeah. No, 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 no slap was needed. Just thought for a minute there, Bolin was on slapper. Um, so then they they this pretty cool fight with with uh, between Mako and Bolin. And against uh, Gazan and Mingwa, uh, but they get handled <laughs> by the Red Lotus like pretty easily. Like Mingwa is just—I just love the way she bends. Like it's so violent and, and aggressive, uh, especially for water. It's really fun to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a good fight. And then Sami's trying to get her away, and then and then they get trapped by something. And you're supposed to make make. To believe that it's Gazan, the Earth bending them up, and then you know Zahir pretty much says like, "Hey, I'll see you in the physical world, Cora." Then she wakes up, all Hannibal Lecter style, <laughs> locked up, mask on, and uh, and you know she, she wakes up with a Sami buyer, and then she's like, "Sami, where's the Red Lotus?" And so she's like, "Red Lotus." Now the Earth Queen's forces captured us, uh, which is. Was a nice uh, which twist. is kind of good. Yeah, it was a yeah, nice no, twist. it is. Yeah, good twist. I definitely the first time definitely didn't see it coming, and even this time, yeah, I, I knew either. it's one of those where I like, was watching through. I was like, all right, when do they when do they go across the desert within the Earth Queen ship? I know that's a thing. When does it happen? And then this happens. Like, oh yeah, that's why. Um, yeah. so even this second watch through still caught me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um. And then, one second, I know I'm going blank here. I'm going blank for a, a reason. Note to self. Um, Just wanted us to see your cool avatar. I get it. It's a good looking picture. You got the people's eyebrow thing going on. Oh, yeah. Suggests that I'm both oh. I'm both knowledgeable, but also fun, <laughs> is what that one says. Dang it, why, am I still? No, I don't want to call you. Why, why am I off the call now? Oh, what am I doing? Okay, there we go. No? Ongoing call. Get on the call. There we go. All right, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> oh, I am going to say, one thing I loved about uh, this episode is how... <laughs> I'm afraid like this. I love how Legend of Korra... You know, Legend of Korra is, is modernizing the world of Avatar, but I love how they even modernize and mediocre that <laughs> this hotel they're at is, like, just a cheap hotel it even has like the cheap hotel pool outside pool and type of deal um but yeah just love that feels like your standard super eight or whatever yeah exactly like 29 dollars a night oh, man that's <laughs> a little billboard out front it's like stay the whole week oh, for yeah. 140 bucks or whatever <laughs> yeah oh gosh <laughs> I had some of my friends recently, they had like a, a kitchen appliance caught on fire 
and they had to move to a hotel for several months just because there was like smoke damage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like you never really think about how bad that is and like how grateful you are that you have your house. And that's a very uh, ingratiating and humbling experience to live in a hotel. I was yeah, like, you know, I'm sounds... going to take that from you and learn your lesson and hope it does not apply to me in the near future. They have kids too. They have two kids. I'm like, wow. Oh my God. I know. Oh my gosh. That's rough. Yeah. That's rough, buddy. Exactly. I call, uh, <laughs> I was sitting on my on my couch last night or a couple of nights ago, and I hear something. It sounds like one of my action figures fell, and I don't know if anything has fallen, but I just hear like a. I'm like like a plastic on plastic kind of. But like I know that sound. Like it sounds like you know electricity trying to do something. So then I go and check. And then, like, I have two fins kind of plugged in this area. And I was for sure that I saw, like, steam come off of them. But they were unplugged. I was like, I don't know what's happening here. But I'm pretty sure this fan is, like, having some type of electrical issue. So then I threw it out. <laughs> and then but I was still hearing it. I was like, okay, well, that apparently wasn't it. Man, just threw out and a perfectly good fan. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I just threw out a perfect I mean, it was the a small first fan, thing that I would have but... thought of. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but now, and then I pulled up my baseboard. It was a had a, a faulty wire, and like there's like a burn mark. Oh on snap! It. Like, oh, that could have like eventually and, caused a fire. Yeah, horrible. I still haven't, I still haven't replaced it yet. I just have turned off the power. Well, to... I, yeah, you're preventing horrible disasters, so I'm gonna say that's yeah. doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing something. That's a pro. Yeah. Hey, kids, you can go to sleep easy tonight. Exactly. I think it was, it was like eleven o'clock at night. I heard it. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna look at the kids. <laughs> I mean, if I really thought like, oh, there could be a fire, but I knew like, all right, I can just worst come to push them to show. I can just shut off the power to the whole house. Yeah, and so fine, we can all get but... some sleep and we'll worry about it in the morning. Yeah. It's fine. But I, but I was able to find the sad breaker for it and, and just turn that off. It's still, it's been off for the past two days. Perfect. Think that's why there's no lights on. In my basement and, right now, but I mean, you, there are lights. I have these lights plugged in to a different outlet that still has power and stuff. So you got like the hanging bar lights in your basement, yeah. right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. Hey, convenient that they can be plugged in elsewhere. And when you're ready, you can turn that other break on right? someday. <laughs> Thing is, I've kind of like how the setup is because then I have a lamp over there. Oh, it's just the right amount of light. A little mood lighting down here i'm like yeah. I, re- I really don't need the light in those two outlets that aren't working but i'll officially get it work anyway someday that's the episode uh ratings let's do some ratings all right and if i can get there here we go so audio visual giving an eight and a half really like the fight at the end with uh bolin and Mako versus Gazan and Mingua. That was really good. The Spirit World was really good. Um, and there was a lot of really good, just like stills, like a lot of background kind of paintings, if you will, which is really interesting in the Avatar. I think specifically in Legend of Korra, I don't remember them maybe doing this in Avatar as much, but I know in Legend of Korra, a lot of times they do like paintings and they use those as the backgrounds, um, which you can kind of tell a lot of that in, in this episode. 
so eight and a half on audio visual story and eight and a half, you know, the story just keeps kind of picking up and, and going. Um, it was really great just to hear the backstory of, of the Red Lotus. And I just like when when characters of opposing sides just sit and talk. I think that's really cool because you get a lot of great dialogue in there. Uh, memorable. Also eight and a half. I'm pretty sure I'm not becoming lazy. These are just uh, things. I think my net scores are pretty similar as well. I must say, yeah, anyway. Uh, no, they're not similar. Okay, anyway. <laughs> eight and a half. So memorable. What did I really remember about this episode? There's something that's stuck out to me. I, oh, Pi Show. That was really cool. I love seeing that. And uh, Which is just a weird thing, but I always remember just them playing Pi Show together. I love it when characters just sit around and be themselves around each other. It's really important. So eight and a half all over, eight and a half. Nice. Uh, audiovisual, I went a smidge above. I always like it when you've got, when your A plot and your B plot, or at least they're not really A and B, but you've got a couple of different scenes or, or environments uh, to choose from. I always like spirit world stuff. Mm-hmm. Very exciting, very pretty. Story, uh, I hadn't thought about what you said, but as you said, it does make a lot of sense to me of there's not many organic opportunities for a good guy and a bad guy to sit down and have a real chat where it like makes sense. But here fits in extremely well. Probably could argue a smidge higher on story. Maybe it just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought about also it, uh, interesting stuff in the, just to go with, along with what you said in the commentary, Brian was like, because in, in this time they were like doing the commentary pretty much like right after these episodes were kind of released. And so Brian had a pretty good sense of, of how fan reaction was. He was like, Hey, really all my fans were just like, uh, the red Lotus just like has no direction. And like, what do they even want? And Brian was like, I mean, we'll get there. And like, and then Brian was saying like, well, honestly, we didn't really, there wasn't like a, a convenient time for them to sit. There will be, there wouldn't be any reason for them at this point to really sit and tell you what their plan is and, and why they're doing it and their background and stuff until now. And bad guy monologues are usually not people's favorite part. Like it feels like a necessary evil, but here it just, I mean, they don't have their bending. It makes sense for uh, Zaheer. It maybe makes a little less sense for Cora not to suspect something, but you know, I get it. It's fine. So I mean, just, she has to get answers. Yeah. Right? Like, so I don't know. It just fits in a little better. The, the being trapped in the place, the lack of bending. That's a nice thing. It's interesting. If, if Cora, if like end of book four, Cora was doing the same thing, she would be in like so much of a, like she would be able to trap Zaheer. I think, I think even now she probably would have been able to maybe try and, and, uh, Nah, he he would just get out. He's he's too good spiritually. <laughs> he he is, uh, like, but I see where you're at. Like in the right state of mind, or if she had had some foresight, she could have like put up yeah. a, a good barrier uh, in the spirit world, or put up a good distraction yeah. to Zaheer in the spirit. Because yeah, because even because I remember there's that scene in season four where, um, course in the spirit world and Rava like she, like she's finally reconnected with Rava, and then Cora's like I I don't know what to do. Like I don't have my bending, and Rava's like. You're the avatar. Like you are being in the spirit world, you're actually more powerful now. It's like Core doesn't realize that at, at this point in time. But And then that little girl anyway. from the Matrix shows up and says the spoon isn't real. And then she's like, Oh, I can bend here. No, that's crazy talk. 
No, I see what you're getting at, though, is maybe she couldn't have bested Zaheer, but if she had kind of had yeah. that uh, introspective uh, knowledge of herself, maybe she could have done something. But either way, it just fits really nice here. I think you can make an argument for a smidge higher even on story. Memorable, I will say the issue I have with this one is the only part that jumps out at me, uh, really, and it's nothing against Paisho and all the other stuff, but it is kind of filler-y feeling on the peripherals. It's really mm-hmm. just the spirit world part that jumps out of me as like integral and memorable and all that stuff. But, you know, overall, that's yeah. fine. So 8.3 brings us out to a nice 8.4. It's a real solid episode. Nice. Stuff just keeps ramping up, getting a little more and more exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting enough, like, I remember people, some fans asked, like, oh, why didn't Korra take away the bending of Zaheer after she captured him? You know, one thing, there's plenty of reasons why. But like the main reason why I think is that is that uh, in order to bend your another's energy, yours must be uncorruptible. And I feel like Zaheer, his energy would be uncorruptible as well. Like he is so uh, impassioned and and uh, just so into his mission. Like it's it's singularly focused, kind of like yeah. it's not that other like, things aren't important to him. But if you made him choose in terms of being incorruptible in his mission, he he would be. Yeah, like his mission is pure. Like I don't think he. I don't. I don't think. He would be able to take away as I hear spending. I don't either. But. I don't either. But interesting. Well, hey, that's that's the stakeout. That's book three change. Chapter well, this one should just be nine. Did I put ten on there? I did, didn't I? Right, is this nine? Is this ten? I don't know. I think it's nine. This is nine. I'm crazy. <laughs> I you gotta get me some slack. I did this all in like ten minutes before he called. I got home at nine forty-seven, <laughs> give or take. Oh, really? <laughs> it's uh, it's been a little busy, but I know it's only going to get busier. Winter is busy here, so anyway, no, this is chapter nine. It's called the Stakeout. It's very exciting. Things really ramping up, so we hope that you are digging it, and obviously that we hope you stick with us for the next few episodes because they are fantastic. Spoiler alert, I guess. I don't know if you've watched the show. I would like to think you're already in agreement. Chris, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me. Uh, my name's Sean. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. I'll put all the contacty stuff down in the description as always. And thank you so much for watching. We hope you join us next time. <laughs> and that's Chris yawning to the sounds of Avatar music. Let us bring you to the stylings of Chris plus Avatar <laughs> drums.